With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, and welcome to the Stratocast. I'm your host, Dale O'Donnell, and delighted to be joined by Mike. We're on the back of a win Mike at Goodison Park 3-1 the last podcast I spoke to Ben was pretty downbeat speaking about the current situation with Stolchart but he he really needed that win today Mike yes I did listen to the show on Friday and I had to say I concurred um, taking it in isolation I thought the, the performance on Saturday was, was terrific considering the circumstances of having virtually no time to even breathe between the game on Wednesday night and then this game on Saturday lunchtime, which Solskjaer touched on, and also Klopp spoke about it yesterday with basically why players are getting injured so much. But in, in isolation, it was terrific. I thought the aggression and the intensity and the intent that United showed in that game was really good. Um, the team more balanced with Hogba not in it in the midfield with Bruno and then two hard runners in behind him, which I think always works better. I like the fact that some of the United players were, put, were responding to Everton being physical with them by responding in kind um, towards the end of the first half where some meaty challenges went in there, Dale. I think um, they tried to rough up with Bruno a couple of times and then United responded. I think Fred um, put one in on Calvert-Lewin and then Bruno himself just stuck one in on Rodriguez, which was... I thought that was great. I've not seen enough of that from United in the last few years. But then obviously is the greater context in which this is the same holding pattern we've been in for two years, right? We we It kind of looks like we're about to hit a tipping point and then he pulls a result out of the bag. We'll probably go in the next game as well. And then we won't win the next game and then we'll be back to square one again. You see, that's the whole point we touched on on Friday's podcast, that it, it's still... This doesn't change, and it's still up and down. I, we all want Solskjaer to succeed. None of us are enjoying any of this. But what he needs to do now is is show this team has consistency. Because if he doesn't, the situation won't change, and Pochettino or whoever will come in and replace him. It's a big win against a team that have been doing well this season. I think he was spot on after the game in what I thought was... Um, he almost got emotional when he got into that rant, and I don't think he was emotional on the, on the topic. I think it was the whole everything that's surrounding him right now. He 
He's desperate to succeed. Um, things aren't going as well, and it pro- he probably does feel as though he's on the edge because when the when the media starts asking questions, asking questions like vultures, you know he he feels the pressure a hundred percent. After the game, it's going to touch on his quotes, Mike. You, you briefly um, you mentioned it. He said the kickoff time set us up to fail. We have been to Turkey, played loads of games this season already. We got back Thursday morning and we are playing Saturday lunchtime. It's an absolute shambles. Like, Mike, with the league coming back after Project Restart and the realisation that games are going to be up on top of each other this season and not allowing for the five substitution rule, like, did they take the players into account at all? No, they took making money into account, Dale. That's what they took into account. Um, if they took the players into account, they would have done a truncated season. I think maybe like a each team plays each other once and then a playoff, like an NFL-style thing, just to basically, if you're going to do a condensed season. No, I don't think they gave a shit, really, uh, about the players at all. Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola both said exactly the same thing yesterday because they've both gone through this as well since this season has started, where they've had a game on a Wednesday... And then they've been had another game chucked at them on Saturday lunchtime. And it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy, especially with the travelling and stuff. Um, you know, and travelling, and there's the context at the top that Solskjaer touched on, the, the psychological effects. He's not the only one, as you said, said this, of everything else going on that this is having on the players. Travelling in a pandemic, no matter how many safeguards you put in place, there's always going to be a nagging uh, doubt in the back of your mind of... of Am I going to get this virus? Because players have got it. There's what two, two, three, four United players have had it since the season restarted, or just before the season started. It's ridiculous. There shouldn't be as many games this season. They either have less games in the league and work out a different format for this season, or they um, they get rid of one of the cup competitions. They're, they're not <laughs> simple as that. Yeah, it's so much as right, and it, but as. as... Klopp did touch on that he has had a meeting with the Premier League in the last three weeks and he didn't sound optimistic about any sense of change, which which shows the managers are, are, are barking at a tree, but they're not going to get any response. And if the top managers in the league can't get a response, um, and when they're going at the, the issue collectively, it, it kind of it adds into the whole argument But the Super League um, and people saying, which which I think is a bad idea, but if, if, if the managers aren't being listened to at these clubs, does that not make them want to form a Super League even more? Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, it's very clear the fact that you had the three managers of last season's first, second and third yeah. finishing clubs all coming out on the same weekend. I'm, I would not be at all surprised if that was coordinated, Dale. I think they coordinated that a little bit um they've probably spoken to each other about it managers speak to each other all the time these clubs i think they have spoken to each other about it and i think the players are probably speaking to each other about it from different clubs as well this is brutal this schedule is brutal and i think it's ridiculous and it does it seems to me like neither uh the league or uefa wants to make any concessions on 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 games and rest times and all of this stuff. And then, when this season's over, Dale, we're going into the European Championships next year. It's crazy. I'm not trying to explain our form at this season, but 
with the way games are and what we're saying, it's it's brutal and so on. Do fans need to take that into account when you're talking about our expectations? Does that maybe explain why it's so inconsistent? Because we might be lower down the table with a game in hand, but there's inconsistency right up and down the table. We're not the only team. No, although the, the, the thing why it's United have been spotlighted is that United have been inconsistent under the same manager for two years. That's why that's been spotlighted. Um, of course, there is, you know, uh, there is going to be. You've seen some. We've seen the results this season, right? I mean, Arsenal were terrific last week, and they got complete. They got hammered off Villa yesterday. Villa went and put seven past Liverpool earlier in the season. Those results stop making it. Leeds United. Leeds United are a good team. They just conceded four goals two games in a row. Doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. And I think what you're seeing in some of these games. It's maybe when a team falls two two goals behind, because a partly the, maybe the psychological effects of no crowds, but I think also knowing they've got another game coming up in three or four days, they'll just sort of throw their hands up in the air and go, "Well, we'll write this one off today." And that's why you're seeing these score lines that we're getting, because otherwise you're just going to get more, even more injuries than you've already got now. Mike, the game itself, we we were looking for a response. Um, I think a lot of us were looking for a response for a number of reasons. We wanted to see Solskjaer to get get a win under his belt and relieve some of that pressure, which by no means is gone. 19 minutes in, Everton took the lead. What were your thoughts then? I just thought, here we go. <laughs> here we go, because um, I, I, I thought... I, I thought if... You know, Everton scoring, and I think they scored, was it 20, first 20 minutes they scored? Uh, 90 minutes, he said, and I thought, and it was poor defending actually as well. For Bernard to even be allowed to get there and put that one in at the near post, really not good at all. And I just thought, this is going to be about 4-0. I think this is going to be like that game a couple of seasons ago we had at Goodison where they absolutely smashed us 4-0. You remember that? And Ole was furious after the game mm. with his players. And I think that was the game where he came out and said, I'm going to be a success here. And basically intimated that any of these plays that he felt getting away that would be gone. Um, and I thought that was ever going to go again, but I thought United responded absolutely terrifically. We had more, we created more chances, I think, good chances than Everton did in the game. Like I said, I thought we were aggressive. There was a lot of fouls in that game, but it wasn't a stop start game. I think it was just, it was two teams. It reminded me a bit of one of those FA Cup, FA you know, big FA Cup ties from the 1990s where just teams are just putting strong challenges in each other, trying to lay a marker down, trying to set a pace. Um, but I thought United were absolutely tremendous. The, the, the way they came back after conceding that goal, I thought was brilliant. Not seen enough of that this season. Um, like I said, there is the caveats that while in isolation, the response is good. We've seen this so many times. Mm. And the response is do we now go and win more than three games in a row, which I don't think we've done in the last two years. I know we've only won three games in a row twice under Ollie. Um, So we now need to put 20, 25 games unbeaten together. That's what we have to do. Simple as that, because we won't even get in the top four if we don't do that this season. Um, If you look at the fact that both Leicester and Spurs seem to be putting runs together and are looking a little bit more solid than we are, that's going to be a real problem for us. 
No, definitely. Look, I think we've West Brom next in the league and we come back after the international break. And that's a good opportunity to, to make a, two wins out of two. Uh, it, you know, it really is. This, te- this team now has got a taste of, of the, the fire um, after that game against Istanbul and then losing to Arsenal last weekend. That, that, that was the point where it, it almost turned for Solskjaer. They, they know they have to go on and win and run, but it's, it's not just that Solskjaer needs to keep them keep them afloat, get that consistency. Because like I said, it, it can't keep going up and down. We can't be a team that just goes on these remarkably unbelievable runs of 12 games unbeaten or so, as we, which we've done in each season under Solskjaer. But then the rest of it's covered up with, with bad draws and, and heavy defeats and stuff. And it just doesn't make much sense for a team that we have we should be beating teams like Everton 3-1. That's the kind of performance that I, that I expect from this team. It, this isn't a shock. What's a shock is losing to Arsenal and then losing to Istanbul a few days later. It's just it's too inconsistent. Um, United took 13 minutes to swing the game around, Mike. And you mentioned the response from conceding that goal was was perfect. But um, Fernandez, I thought I thought his performance overall was a bit crazy. I don't. I don't think he was brilliant. He was doing things in the pitch that I was like, "What is he doing?" But he was the star of the show. He's the one that, that got us back into the game. Two goals and an assist. It just seems to me that w- when he does click, then Manchester clicks. And if he if he doesn't, we really really struggle. Yes, um, he's a player that takes risks, Dale. But he takes those risks by and large in the final third. So I'm okay with him taking risks because that's what you want your attacking boys to do, right? So he does do things sometimes. We got what, what, what was that? Um, but within the same game, he will do something that he's going to come off and will lead to a goal. Um, yeah, he was brilliant, and uh, you know he got rough treatment towards the end of that first half. Dale for some of those Everton players, and he responded by handing it right back out to them, um, which says a lot about the kind of guy Bruno is. And I thought his comments after the game were interesting, where he says, you know, you know, play basically. Challenging players to his teammates to step up and be leaders was what he was doing after the game. You know, there's been little stories with Bruno filtering through that he's maybe not entirely happy. And frankly, I don't blame him because he's been given everything he's got. And I don't think people around him at the club have maybe been quite giving that same amount back in response. Um, but I thought he was great. I thought um, I thought the two lads in midfield with him were really, really good as well. I thought they they were hassling and harrying and closing people down. You know, again, this is stuff we don't we don't see enough of um, previously. I I think that midfield three has more of a balance to it. McTominay just running around, snapping into people. Fred just shuttling up and down the field, and then. Bruno being able to press up further and stay a little bit further up the pitch. Um, although there was once or twice he was dropping back a little deeper than I would have liked him to. And um, really making things difficult. Uh, I suppose it was the same to see Luke Shaw go off because he played really well. He's got an injury again. Not a um, cross for an assist. Yeah, yeah. I still don't see him as a long-term uh, solution at left-back, though, I have to say. Um, but I thought he was good. Um, 
but uh, but the whole yeah, the, whole, the mean, whole idea it, as well though Mike to bring obviously Telles didn't didn't start the game came back into the squad and he was he's been signed for that left back slot but I think long term to have a player like Telles come in and Luke Shaw to fall back on or even if you're going with a back three I think that's what Soldier's aiming to do is build foundations for this squad to succeed and to have numbers and, and quality and depth. Um, I think long run, having Tellez coming in, with Shaw injured now, it's kind of the perfect timing. Yeah, it is. Um, it is. He, he had coronavirus, didn't he? That's why he was out. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he was really good in that PSG game as well, so it was such a shame that then he couldn't play after that because I think he would have then continued to play. Um, I did have one area concerning that game, and that was Aaron Wan-Bissaka. I, I thought Everton targeted him, and they did a pretty good job of targeting him as well. And he's not looked that great this season, Dale. And it, I felt we've needed a right-back. I'm pretty sure I've said it before, we needed another right-back, because I'm not convinced about Aaron Wan-Bissaka going forward. But I thought he was caught a few times defensively as well. And I don't know whether maybe he's just knackered, because he's played so many games... But if that is the case, then they need to have another option to fall back on there, and they didn't go and get one. But the, the thing is, who who would you sign? Because you know, if you go out and get one, you've also got Diego Zalo and Timothy Fosu-Mensa on on the wage book, and Dallo is supposed to be able to go forward. He's not. He doesn't offer anything. He he doesn't even get selected. You know, I I I think Juan Bissaka. We probably at least need to come to the conclusion that he's so good defensively that you can't keep him out of the team. And if you have Tellez on the left-hand side, at least getting up and down the pitch, at least you have one of your full-backs. I see what you're saying, Dale, but I think... There's no way that's... I can see Solskjaer or any United manager coming in and, 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 and signing a right-back to overtake Wan-Bissaka because it's just not a priority area. I mean, I disagree because I don't think he offers anything going forward, Dale. And I think that's a problem. It's just a lack of balance in the team, especially if you want to play a narrow midfield, which is what he wants to do. Um, it just doesn't make any sense to me. The, the, like the, he, the needs biggest... to, he needs to improve his game going forward, Dale, or they need to look elsewhere. I mean, Dallow, obviously, he didn't like Dallow. Um, Timothy Fossey Mentor, I think he needs to be moved on elsewhere, Dale, because you know he's not some kid. He's like 23 years old now. And I think maybe he needs to go somewhere else and get some first-team football. So, yeah, I think they do need to look at right-back, actually. I, th- I think the biggest imbalance on the right-hand side is the fact that they didn't sign a winger in the summer. And, in fact, they, they did sign two wingers, but one of them is playing 223s and the other one is at Atlanta in, in Syria. But they wanted Sancho, and I think it had, had they signed the Sancho, we would see a lot more balance because, yes, we, we know that Wan-Bissaka is, is not good going forward. But he doesn't have anyone ahead of him going forward particularly good. And most of our attacks come down that left flank because we have Rashford or, or Martial occupying that area. United really need to, to definitely balance out the team. I totally agree. But I think if, if we signed a really good winger, the focus on Wan-Bissaka attacking wouldn't be as substantial. Yeah, I, do, I agree with that. But then should the club have not had some... Decent alternatives in mind to Sancho. Knowing how Dortmund do business, knowing that if they set an asking price, they were never going to budge off that asking price. Eat it or you don't get the player. 
And honestly, when it comes to Jadon Sancho, I think the chance to sign to make him a Manchester United player has gone. If he goes somewhere next summer, it won't be to Manchester United because the way the club behaved was ridiculous. Like they made it look like they weren't serious about signing him, and I don't know how that's going to make the player feel. But I think he's probably going to look at that and think, actually, you know what? I've got a pick of a few other clubs that are probably going to want to sign me next summer. I think I'll go to one of those guys instead. So they need to start looking at alternatives. I know they signed these two lads on deadline day, Dale, but they signed them on deadline day, which gave me the impression they were just throwing shit at the wall and see if anything could stick. No, without, without question. But do you, do you also feel with, with the way in which um, Jadon Sancho started this season with Dortmund and Sport Bill have reported that his 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 head isn't in the right place. Um, his his, his head is not in Dortmund. Do, do you not think Dortmund maybe regret not taking what United would have offered, perhaps maybe eighty seventy million for a player that they they they, they really fought hard to get one hundred twenty million for? And I I'm wondering this season if he doesn't show his previous form, will any club go in for over over hundred million in 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 a, in a climate? Also, the transfer window next summer won't be much different. Clubs are still losing out on millions every match day. So that's going to carry on into next transfer window. I don't think Sancho, anyone will sign him for over £100 million. I I don't agree because I think clubs, certain clubs, I look at Real, for instance, I think Real are basically not signing anyone on the base, haven't really done much in the market because maybe they want to look ahead to next summer. So they're keeping their money back for next summer. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it falls on him as well, Dale. And there's always been talk of maybe Salah or Mane moving to one of the big Spanish clubs. Now, that won't be Barcelona unless they can really do some diddling around in the wage books. But there is the issue at Barcelona, they've got a presidential election that's taking place, and usually at those big clubs. When a presidential election takes place, that precedes a, lot, a flurry of activity in the market and them trying to sign one or two big names. So I wouldn't be surprised if they were in for him as well. And like I said, just trying to put myself in Sancho's shoes, seeing the way that United behaved, I, you know, I, I just would not be entirely convinced about going. I, I, th- I think from what I've seen this season... If I was to pick one player at Dortmund, it would be a different man. And maybe Haaland. It'd be Bellingham, any chance. <laughs> Belling, Bellingham looks very, very good. But Haaland, he's just he's, he's, a, he's a different animal altogether. Um, yeah, but again, I think we missed out. We missed our chance to sign him. That was our chance, and I, I don't think it'll come again. Back to the game, Mike, against Everton. The, there was a penalty incident, which Maguire later came out and said it would have been soft. What did you make of the collision with, with Jordan Pickford? And what was he doing in the first place? Kicking with his legs so high that he was kicking Maguire, or c- connecting to Maguire's chest? Well, it was a penalty. Um, I admire Mag- Maguire sort of defending Pickford a bit, but maybe that's <laughs> Maguire knowing that he himself should have given away a penalty last week, maybe, when he basically wrestled one of the Arsenal players to the ground. Um it was a penalty. I mean, Pickford is not a good goalkeeper. He's got no brain. It's just like a head full of sand and straw. I don't know what the hell's going on in there. But he just does these mad things. And um, 
this was a guy who was sort of heralded as the next great England goalkeeper when he moved to Everton a couple of years ago, and even during that World Cup. But ever since then, he's been absolutely dire. Yeah, but isn't that a similar story to Joe Hart? Well, he's younger than Joe Hart was when Joe Hart fell off. At least you can say, Dale, that Joe Hart had several very good years at a club that was winning trophies. Jordan Pickford hasn't had that. He's not as good as Joe Hart was at his best. He's nowhere near as good as Hart was when he was really good at Man City. I, I, I think, I just wonder whether Pickford, Pickford maybe wasn't that good to begin with. And it's very obvious, by the way, with Pickford, that Ancelotti is really losing patience with him and the mistakes that he's making. Um, I just can't believe the referee didn't give that. I thought it was a penalty. Although still, the Maguire's miss, how did he still put that over? No, yeah, absolutely. Like Maguire is one of these that, again, we spoke about at length on the podcast, not performing particularly consistently either. And he comes in as his leader, got the captaincy very quickly um, on the back of some very good performance last season. But then his form really dipped. And I think this season, he really hasn't been, been good. But the game against Everton, Mike, everything that came up in the air, he won. He was alert at all times. He was really, really good. Why can't he perform that every week? And I know the goal we can see when we, when we touched on that, it, it was sloppy. Again, another lapse in concentration and our defence really needs to, to cut that out. Happened again against Istanbul. It's costing us. There's good defenders there. Maguire on his day is a good defender. Wan-Bissaka on his day is a really good defender. And we know, we know Luke Shaw can do it. Um, and actually Lindelof of late has been performing okay as well, much better than what he had been. So these these are these are okay defenders. Why can't they do it every week? And, and it, even some weeks, it might be one of them. It only takes one player to lapse concentration to concede a goal. But it just seems they're incapable. Because that could have well, cost us. That, that could have cost us, Mike. That early goal. Well, you, just said it. you just said it before. They're okay defenders. Okay they're not top-class defenders, Dale. None of them. Not one single one of them. I, I do like Maguire, but let's be honest, he's a premium Phil Jones. That's exactly what he is. You know, you can't build your defence around a premium Phil Jones. I'm sorry, you just can't do it. Victor Lindelof, still one of the worst centre-halves I've ever seen at Man United. I think he's rubbish. I, I, I think he's got nothing to his game whatsoever. Guy can't head the ball, Dale. Can't deal with aerial balls. You set a half in England, and you can't deal with a ball in the air. It's out of your mind. Um, I still think Wambasaka's future is as a centre half. I think he'd be a great centre half, you know, for his pace and stuff. Or maybe a sort of a Kyle Walker sort of type player where he can play on the right side of a back three, maybe if that makes any sense. Um, Luke Shaw again, he's okay, but he's not consistent. He's never been a consistent player. These are problems. You need a top-quality, consistent centre-half. I know that's easier said than done right now, but they are out there. You just need to go and find them. Or you need to put a system in place that covers up those deficiencies, one or the other. Um, look at look at the game, the Liverpool City game yesterday. Liverpool were outstanding defensively in that game. I thought they were really, really good in that game. I know City scored a goal, but... They barely had a sniff. Liverpool barely gave him a sniff. And he's missing some of his best defensive players there, Jurgen Klopp. But he, he formulated a system 
that sort of, um, you know, meant that they could cope and they could work well. And also the way Liverpool press from the front makes a big difference as well because it means the opposition's defenders in their own third don't get as much time on the ball. Um, we just don't seem to be doing that. That's one of the things that's a problem with United is a lack of consistency in the pressing. We're not pressing as a unit. You just see one or two people here and there. You, you need to work on triggers and organisation and there's a complete lack of that throughout the team. Hence why you see the inconsistency in the results because there's inconsistency within games and within what the players are doing when they're acting as a unit. And until you get that right, whether we ever do under this manager, I'm not so sure because I don't think I don't think he's very good at I don't think him or any of the other staff there seems to be very good at coaching defenders or coaching teams how to defend, then this is gonna be a problem. We've spoken about defenders, moving up the pitch, um we need to speak about Anthony Martial. Um I don't think he performed much very well and and during the week Paul Scholes touched on if you're gonna play as a centre forward Chances aren't always going to come your way. Um, and he, he doesn't do enough work off the ball sometimes, doesn't make enough runs. And and the difference we've seen when we brought on Edison Cavani is he runs. He really tracks down defenders. He throws his body on the line and wins the ball. At yeah, he, he also knows where to make a run when his teammates get on the ball. I there don't know if go. you noticed that as well. As soon as, as soon as United midfielders, even the full-backs pick up the ball... This is one of the problems I've seen with United when they brought Cavani on. Cavani's been making the runs and United haven't been getting the balls to him. More work on that in the training ground. I think United will start getting some goals at home again. Um, I would seriously look at the next game. I think United should be starting Cavani in the next game. If he can only go 60 minutes, OK, that's fine. But I think in 60 minutes, I've seen enough of him where he could really do something. Because I was a bit worried whether he was just here for a jolly. But actually, what I've seen of him he looks like he still really wants to do something and he really wants to have a good couple of seasons. And we spoke about this, I think, maybe over the summer before the whole restart thing about maybe we let Zlatan go a little bit too soon because of what he what he actually brought to the team on and off the field. And you can see Cavani looks in terrific shape, by the way, Dale. Looks brilliant. That There is a senior season professional he knows how to win and has won trophies and also knows how to play the game. And, yeah, I know you, you've always been a little bit cold on Martial. And I, 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 I like him, but I do agree with you. He blows too hot and cold too often to be a centre-forward for a top team, right? If you compare him to... Look at Jota for Liverpool since he's come in. He's been excellent. So much so that he's pretty much pushed Firmino out of the team. You know, he's a quality centre-forward. Uh, I can't believe we didn't look at him, to be honest, over the summer. But the, the difference is night and day. Um, you know, if he's not... I think United are getting to the point now where they have to maybe... Martial's been at the club for five years? Is it five years now he's been here? Do you think maybe we have to start looking to move on from Anthony Martial as a centre-forward and start looking to somebody else instead? I wouldn't go quite that drastic just yet, but I think it's it's definitely something that's it's been asked. Um, I, I think at the end of last season, Martial finished really, really strongly and was banging in the goals. And I, like It's too soon after that to say that we, sh- we should completely forget about him. 
Anthony Martial's a brilliant, brilliant footballer. It just seems sometimes when he's on the pitch, he's either in the right frame of mind or he's not. And when he's hungry to score goals, he's lethal. There's there's few players better than him. And that's when he goes on those consistent bursts, but they're too inconsistent. Again, it, it almost epitomises what we're talking about with this team. So inconsistent all over the all over the pitch. So maybe if if Cavani could get a bit of match fitness and, and, and start some games, if he could at least be consistent up top, we might be able to see more consistency. I think you're right if some of the runs Cavani's making and, and those players aren't quite on the same page as him just yet. He's a new teammate. They're they're training and this is what should be being developed in training is chemistry. But Cavani looks looks elite. Um, so I wouldn't I wouldn't be writing off Martial yet because he's still young. He's still a really really talented footballer. Perhaps some learning from Edison Cavani that he might get different traits to his game. But I will say one thing is he needs to run more. Um, and another player who commented during the week was Van Persie, and he said in every Alex Ferguson team that he played in, um, he he just wanted you to outrun it outrun the opposition. I don't think. A lot of the players that we see every week are doing that, are even mindful of that, that they need to, to run more and cover more ground. Because against Arsenal, it was another game where I just didn't see the bite and didn't see the, the determination from, from, from the team as a unit to outrun Arsenal yeah. and to be quicker and to be stronger. Like That's why I think you touched on it, Mike, with Bruno Fernandes seeming a bit unhappy at the moment. I don't think he's unhappy with, with Manchester United or, or with, with the manager. I think it's quite the opposite. I think he's looking at the players around him and thinking, "This our manager's under a bit of pressure right now. Can we not put an extra mile in every week? It's not even about the manager being under pressure. It's about professional pride. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. But this is a question, and it's like I go both sides of the argument. I mean, the, the, the brunt of my criticism last week was the players because... They were just pathetic, absolutely pathetic. Wednesday was worse, by the way. The first hour in Istanbul is one of the worst performances I've ever seen from a United team. It, it was that bad, Dale. That Denver Bar goal was a farce. I mean, literally, a joke. you could have put Benny Hill music on that fucking goal. It was shocking. To not even have the brains to have three players back when you're attacking a corner, that's basic stuff. I learned that in school. You shouldn't need a manager or someone on the touchline to tell you that. But what I will say is this. Why is it Why is it the players still feel like they're not under pressure to make that effort to make those runs? And I just wonder, what is the culture in the dressing room? I, I, I watched the other day. It was a really good interview with um, Rio Ferdinand. He's been interviewed by... It was that um, YouTube channel that uh, that idiot Jake Humphrey and another guy where they interviewed like elite sportsmen. He was talking about Rio Ferdinand. He was talking about when he was at United. It was actually really good because I think Rio's insight into what it was like being in that United team was really interesting when he was talking about... On the training ground, he said the, he said Ferguson, would have, you've probably seen him once or twice a month in the dressing room at the training ground. Because it was the players that ran the dressing room. And a few of the, the players who played under Ferguson also said the same thing. The players ran that dressing room because Ferguson created this culture at the club where 
you have to be in that elite mindset all the time. And the manager's job is to take this wider view and to be able to maybe see things that are slightly outside the bubble that you can't see. And Rio was saying that if someone came into the club who wasn't at it, the other players would be digging them out. He'd be one of them. He talked about when Berbatov came to the club and he said it was a cup of, before it was in the build-up to the 2009 Champions League final. And he said they were having a training game. And he said basically the training game was... Uh, um, it was 11 against 11, and Rio was on the team that was basically trying to break. The other team was imitating Barcelona's press, and they had to break the press. And Rio gets the ball on the right-hand side, and what he's waiting for is a Berbatov, who's on his team in the training match, to make a run. And Berbatov's just stood there on the other side, and Rio boots the ball out and starts shouting and screaming and bowling at Berbatov. What the fuck are you doing? I'm asking, is that going on in training, Dale? Because these basic errors and inconsistencies that we're seeing, those don't happen at a club where the culture is. You just don't allow those mistakes. And when those mistakes do happen, people are digging each other out. One of the, I think one of the reasons United like United fans like Bruno Fernandes so much is because he is that kind of player who will be digging out teammates for not doing their job. And there isn't enough players in the team who are doing that. It's all very well, Harry Maguire coming out after the game saying, yeah, we've shown character, this, that and the other. Right, Harry, but you haven't shown it any other game this season, <laughs> have you? Maybe maybe show a little bit more in games. Maybe have a word with Victor Lindelof when he doesn't challenge for a ball in the air or position himself in the right place. Maybe pull Luke Shaw to one side when he falls asleep again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Half. He's not doing that. <laughs> He's not doing that. At all. I mean, the only players I've seen doing it are Bruno Fernandes and Scott McTominay. Those are the only players that I see doing it in that team. There needs to be four or five more players that... I see Rashford doing it a little bit. Yeah, and, and this goes back to the issue with Martial. Has he just got that mindset to beat this football club? And this is the same thing. It's the, I hate to bring him up because he barely he barely played in the game. But Paul Pogba is another one. Has he got the mindset to be playing at a club that has that mentality? of you need to be switched on at all times. And even if you're not at your best, you're still giving 100%. I don't think those guys have got it. And, you know, this is what goes back to what I've said many times before with these two, with Pogba, and the same goes to Martial as well, where if they fancy playing for an elite club abroad, yeah, great, you won't last five minutes at one of those clubs because they won't give you the time of day. If they see you walking in in the first week of training and you're not pulling your weight, if they see you in your first match, and you're not putting the work in, they will not be given the time of day. Mike, we have a question in from Dominic Corrigan, um, and I know you just touched on him, Paul Pogba. He said, on Paul Pogba-Fred comparison, Fred is a consistent performer, and has Oli finally grown a pair to drop Pogba? Should he have let it go to this point where team selections almost cost him the job? No, I, I, uh, he shouldn't. No, he should have got rid of Pogba in the first preseason that he had. Although I think he was hamstrung a bit because he wanted Bruno Fernandes in the summer and the club didn't get Bruno for him. He was a target for the summer, right? He wasn't the target for January. He was a target for the previous summer and they didn't get him. And I think maybe it reminded me a bit of the Wayne Rooney situation a few years ago when Mourinho was there. Mourinho kept picking him and you think, why is he picking this guy? Maybe I'm hoping Ole has done the thing where he's basically given Pogba enough rope to hang himself with, with his performances, right? Um, the test is whether Pogba plays in the next game 
and then game after that. If he doesn't play no, if he doesn't start in those games, then I think we can start going. <clears throat> I think maybe Ollie's moving on from this guy. But you were saying about Sancho before, whether everyone's going to want him. I touched back on what I said last week. Who's going to want Paul Pogba right now? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. Paul, Real Madrid are <laughs> looking at him and going, "Is he what we need? Is that guy? Is that guy really the guy who's going to step up and replace Luka Modric in this team? No, he's nowhere near as good as Luka Modric. So he's got problems right now. He needs to be looking at himself. That's all the manager needs to do is just not play him." And then it's up to the player deciding what he want to do. If I'm Ali, I'm, I'm turning around to him and saying, you're not playing until I start seeing a lot more from you in the training ground. Until then, you get nothing. Another question from Christopher Paul. Why is the home farm so rubbish? And is the new Dutch guy not wanted? Well, we briefly touched on this before we recorded. I don't think Donny van der Beek, and I, messaged, I think I messaged you this, I don't think he was a Solskjaer side in. Solskjaer wanted Jack Grealish, right? That was who he wanted. But Villa were asking for ludicrous money. I love Grealish, but he's not an £80 million footballer. That's insane. Even in this market, he's not an £80 million footballer. And Van der Beek was available for half of that price. And I think he's a better footballer. And the club made a move in him because they saw an opportunity was there because his move, Real Madrid wanted to buy him, but that move fell through. Um... And the club made a move on him. I would like to know who it was that made that move. Was it Matt Judge? Was it Ed Woodward? Was it uh, who is it? I don't even know who the chief scout is. But um, is it possible also it the soldier? The soldier decided, and now he's already regretting it. Or because he he can say what he wants in the media about Danny Van der Beek would get his opportunity, he would get his chance. The reality is, he's been here what nearly two, nearly three months. He hasn't played enough games we haven't seen enough of him and it does look like he just doesn't fancy him uh, and, and until 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 he starts playing him Mike like that, that that that's what it looks like yeah and I don't understand why he thinks that we all saw Van der Beek at Ajax he was one of their best players Dale the best players in a very very good Ajax team he was the guy that seemed to knit everything together for him I don't understand why he's not playing I don't I don't understand why he's not getting more opportunities. Um, I don't understand why Paul Pogba's been getting more opportunities than him. Um, you know, give him give him a chance. If he's not good enough, at least maybe maybe in training he's just not showing it in training. And if that's the case, okay, then he doesn't deserve to play. Because if you're not doing it day in, day out, then you shouldn't be playing. But if he's doing all the right stuff in training and then he's just not playing, then I'm like, I don't understand what's going on. I mean, that... Reminds me a bit, this happened with Henrik Mkhitaryan, right? When we got him and then he just wasn't playing. But you can look at Henrik Mkhitaryan and go, well, mentally, he just he, he's not a big club player. He's not. I'm sorry, he's just not. And it was the same with Shinji Kagawa. Lovely footballers, but if you want to be an elite club challenging for league titles, those two guys are just not going to cut it mentally. But Van der Beek has played in a team that pushed to win the Champions League less than two years ago that's won... All right, you talk about the Dutch league title, but that's more than most of the players we've got in the squad right now have won. So I'm a bit puzzled as to what is going on. And again, this goes back to the question of who's making the decisions on transfers at the club? Yeah, and it, it, it it's obviously not we're, we're going to get any clarity on for another few years um, who is behind Danny van der Beek. And I hope, hope Solskjaer was behind it. I hope it does work out because, like you said, we've seen glimpses of him 
he's a really talented player. He's part of a really good Ajax team. He's he's a Dutch international now. You want you want to see your new signings, and I think a lot of the questions are coming from the media, and it, it's putting Solskjaer into a corner. But I I, th- I do think he's putting himself in this corner. He knows the fans want want to see the player. Um, and I I think he's he's better than a lot of the players that have been starting ahead of him too. But considerably better. Definitely, and, and yeah, look, look, we'll we'll see how this goes on over time. This we've we've already spoken about the the fixture schedule, how it's jam packed, and how it's going to be tough on players. So you just like to think that maybe Soldier has something in mind, um, that maybe he he will give him the, the month of December. Or so I, look, we'll have to wait and see. But the the, the last topic I wanted to touch on, Mike, was Ma- was Mason Greenwood. Um, and there, there's growing concerns over the Manchester United youngster, and he wasn't involved in the match day squad against Everton. He'd obviously raised questions at the beginning, and Solskjaer said the player he put it down to the player having an illness. Now, the Athletic have ran a report this morning, Monday, um, stating that Solskjaer and Gareth Southgate had a, had a conversation over a phone call last week, and that was the reason why the youngster wasn't at, called up to the England squad. However, now they're stating that. There's concerns over the player and his, I suppose, dedication. Um, they're worried about his sleeping, which, <laughs> I think, being a football blogger, anyone that writes about football, writing about a young lad's uh, sleep pattern is is not not a topic you always co- cover. But, but Mike, if, if this is a concern, how can Manchester United tackle it? Because Greenwood's been, he's been in the headlines. Let's say for for some for wrong reasons the past few months, but it's, a lot of it's been been built up and it feels like he's he's got some also victim of um of media bullying at times but he is someone that seems to be going through a rough patch right now and soldier needs to to make the right call somehow yeah i think he needs to just maybe take him out of the spotlight for a little while it won't do him any harm to maybe not play for a few games while the club just do a bit of work with him um he's a young guy at the end of the day he's 19 years old um, and <laughs> I just think this is going to be the worst time to be a teenager, right? I, I, I <laughs> it's, we've got a, a pandemic. You've got these periodic lockdowns going on. Um, you know, you can't do any of the stuff that you'd maybe normally do as a young guy to sort of blow off a bit of steam. Um, one of the things as a young player that would really get you going would be playing in front of crowds. You can't do that right now. As much as you love playing football, it's not quite the same. So I think this is something the club needs to manage carefully. I think the club generally being a bit defensive and not saying too much on it and stonewalling questions, that's not the worst thing in the world to be doing. United had not quite the same difficulties, but some of these difficulties with Cristiano Ronaldo in his first year or two at the club as well. There was one period where... Um, after his father died, I think Ferguson sent him home for a week or two. Um, so it's just a situation that United have to manage carefully and you know keep him out of the spotlight for a while. He's a young player. Let's not be jumping the gun. This isn't a Ravel Morrison situation. You know, Mason Greenwood isn't being done for witness intimidation of his own mum. He's not being done for attacking his girlfriend. This is this is a, he's a young guy, right? So. And I don't think any of the stuff that the, the the reports that are about him earlier in the summer, him going out, bringing a girl back, these these things aren't something that any young person isn't doing, right? So 
let's just let's just cool our jets a little bit, yeah. Um, you know, if it's he's a young player, this is his what is his second full season, I would say, as a, as a senior player at the club. There's a, there's a long way to go for him yet, so I would just preach patience from the fans, um, the media to back the fuck off, and um, the club to just keep doing what they're doing and just manage the situation week by week. Absolutely agree, Mike. It's it, Gary never called it straight after he um, was was let go from the England squad that the media would pick on him, and then the Sun managed to dig out this really old video of him taking balloons or inhaling the the helium. Yeah. You know, it's just just a witch hunt. Yeah, just and... just a, his skin color is just a coincidence as well. Just, just a witch hunt. It, it, it's, it's absolutely appalling. But look, that's what young footballers, unfortunately, have to deal with nowadays. And a lot of it falls on these media companies. There's, there's two particular papers that stand out, and there's, there's many other outlets too that that, that all join in. Um, Mike, have you any other t- thoughts on on the game against Everton before we call it a, a show? Uh, no, it's just kind of. Uh... A case of can we keep this going now? Um, we got games are coming thick and fast. Two games a week, right? So they need to keep this going. Yeah, it's consistency. United fans are calling for, and it has to be what Stoke are demands from this team because, like I, I reiterated a number of times on this podcast, United lack consistency, and that's what's going to have Stoke out of a job if it doesn't pick up. Because United have since he's come in has been up, down, up, down. And the longer that continues, you have to fear for an unhappy ending. Mike, thanks for joining me. How can people follow you on Twitter? Well, you can follow me at, at mycroft underscore homes, although I've not been signed into that Twitter account for over a month <laughs> now because I'm just staying off there for the time being <laughs> um, for my own sanity with the election and everything that was going on. Um, and also, the main thing is to follow the Twitter account for the podcast, um, the the Stretty cast. Can I ask, were you, were you happy with the election, Mike? Delighted. Anyone who follows me on Instagram <laughs> will know how happy I was with that election. There will be one little caveat, I would say. More Americans voted for Trump this time than they did last time. So there's people that didn't vote for him last time who saw the last four years and went, yes, I want more of that, please. That's a concern. <laughs> Thanks. We'll see you again. We probably won't be recording next week because it's been an international break, but we'll be back shortly after that. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.